go. Yes, you're listening to Monday's Law and Gospel on this May the 6th in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And as I indicated in the promo, there are a number of festivals we have during the church year. You're quite acquainted, of course, with Christmas and with Easter. But then there are some other Sundays where we focus in on a specific understanding of Jesus Christ. And this coming week has often been known as Good Shepherd Sunday. In fact, if you turn to John chapter 10, the entire chapter is kind of about Jesus being the Good Shepherd. It starts off, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now, verse 6 is kind of interesting in chapter 10. He talks about him being the shepherd, and they it then says, John writes, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And that's why it's kind of important that we have a Good Shepherd Sunday. Concordia Publishing House uh, had a poster with all the names of Jesus on it. And many of the names, of course, were metaphors as to who Jesus was. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, you could actually do a sermon on all of these metaphors, but the Good Shepherd is an important one. Now, obviously, people will jump to the conclusion that because sheep were in Palestine, that's why Jesus chose the Good Shepherd. But there were other animals, there were donkeys, there were cows, etc. Why sheep? In New Guinea, when our missionaries went there, there in the highlands there were no sheep. And there were only pigs. So they changed the story to talk about Jesus being the pig herder and that Christians were pigs. But it didn't work for a very simple reason, is that pigs are much smarter than sheep. They're wiser. And therefore, being a sheep meant you really did need a shepherd. Sheep could not really take care of themselves. Uh, Remember Psalm 22 talks about that the shepherd leads them beside still waters because if if the sheep is in rushing waters, the wool will become drenched and the sheep will drown. And so you've got these metaphors and Jesus being a shepherd is far better than him being a pig herder. Now, for this particular year, and we're in the series talking about Mark, so we're in year B, John comes through a few times in the gospel. And this time, it's verses 22 through 30, where Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd. So let's kind of take a look at that. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple 
in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, this Feast of Dedication uh, we know of as the Feast of Hanukkah. Another name for it is the Feast of Lights. And it is really a celebration of the rededication of the temple in 164 B.C. And it was a joyous occasion. Psalms were recited, etc. Now, the colonnade of Solomon was actually an area on the east side of the temple. And it had a roof. So it was a sheltered area, one would say, with protection from the weather. It was actually a popular place for rabbis and their disciples to gather. We, we could talk about the narthex of a church. That's outside the sanctuary. But a lot of the discussion among members occurs after the worship is over and people recess out into the narthex. Now, the Jews wanted to know from Jesus, you know, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, Jesus' answer is interesting. This is verse 25 of John chapter 10. I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. Now, this is really an important point. We don't find up to this point any statement of Jesus where he says, I am the Christ. So what does he mean he already told them? He already told them by the works that he does in his Father's name. They bear witness about me. Now, can you think of a time he used the works to bear witness about him? Sure. The disciples of John the Baptizer were sent by John to Jesus and asked him, are you the one we're waiting for or is there someone else? And remember what Jesus says? Go back and tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the mute speak, and of course the dead are being raised. These are quotations from the Old Testament, Isaiah, where God is giving an insight to people as to how they're going to be able to recognize the Messiah because he's going to be doing these items. So this is how somebody is saying, I am the Christ. It would be like a child is growing up in the family and he says, are you really my father? And he's been, say, 10 years old. And the father says, well, I'm the one that feeds you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I bought you a bed. I bought your clothes. I take you to school. Isn't it obvious that I'm your father? I give you presents, birthday, Christmas, etc. 
So a lot of times you know who your father is by the relationship you have with them and what the father is doing in your life. That's what Jesus is referring to here. It's very important that his works are witnesses to him being the Messiah. Well, how come they haven't figured that out? Listen to verse 26. But you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. You see, there you go to something like Matthew 25, where he's talking about the sheep and the goats. The sheep are part of the flock of God. The goats are not. They're not able, the goats are not able to do fruit of the Holy Spirit. They may do good outward works from the point of view of the world, but because they have no faith in Jesus Christ, they're never motivated by their love for Jesus, which makes a good work a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So they do not believe because they are not part of my flock. You see, if they were part of my flock, Jesus goes on in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, this is really important. It reminds me of the transfiguration where God added something, God the Father added something to what he had said at Jesus' baptism. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. You see, and to whom was he addressing that? He was addressing it to the disciples that were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's where faith comes in. We listen to Jesus. And therefore, when we listen to him, then we're understanding that the works he is doing, he says he is doing in his Father's name. But unless you're part of the flock, that's no evidence at all that Jesus is the Messiah. You can talk to an unbeliever until you're blue in the face, talking about all the works that Jesus did, and they will not be converted by them until you speak the gospel. Well, what's the gospel? Well, the gospel is definitely connected to his work of the crucifixion and the resurrection, but specifically the gospel It is the promises connected to his crucifixion, his resurrection, and the work he has done. In other words, remember the Lord's Supper? Take heed, this is my true body given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And similarly with his blood through the wine. Now, if you're not a believer, if you're not a sheep, You're not part of his flock. And therefore, the words of Jesus are going to fall on empty ears. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, it's not just that we hear the voice, but we hear it and recognize it as the voice of Jesus. And I know them, and they follow me. And then listen to what he says, 28. 
I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. There's that saying about Jesus has the whole world in his hands. And that's absolutely correct in view of creation. But in view of redemption, he has every believer in his hands. And they will not be snatched away by somebody else like the devil. Now, they still can fall by their own choice. But that's not anybody snatching them away they just decide they don't want to have anything more to do with Jesus. And we've all met people like this. They've been at church, and they stopped going to church because they maybe had a big argument at church or because the pastor said something they didn't like. And, you know, some pastors can say things that are wrong. Or they've had a terrible injury or had some great suffering and they can't believe that there is a God who is all-powerful and who loves them and yet allowed this to happen. So they just turn their backs on him. Now, God has set up a procedure for the church to follow to bring such people back into the church. That's called excommunication, and that's a very loving thing to do. But nobody's going to be able to snatch you out of the hand of Jesus. You'd have to make a decision that you no longer believe in him. Now, why has Jesus received these sheep? That's verse 29. My father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. That's a Bible verse that ended up having me give a wrong answer during my confirmation when they were I was being asked questions. Uh, you know, the pastor's up front, and this just happened with my grandson. He was in a class of 40 students, and they had their questioning last Thursday night, And on Saturday at Concordia Seminary, because they had so many people, uh, they had their families attend their actual confirmation. It was an hour and a half worship service, just really wonderful. And I remember when I was asked a question by the pastor, he asked me, and Tom, who is greater, the father or the son? Now... I know what answer he expected, that they are equal, so one is not greater than the other. But I didn't give him that answer. I said, the father is greater than the son. And he said, no, Tom, they're equal. One is not greater than the other. And I said, well, what do you do with the Bible verse where Jesus himself says, the Father is greater than I. And then look at this verse 29. Jesus says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. Now Jesus would be included in the all. And all I can remember is the pastor, we'll have to talk about this afterwards. (laughs) But actually we were both correct. 
in his state of exaltation and prior to his incarnation, there it cannot be said that one is greater than the other. They're equal in authority, in omnipresence, in omnipotence. That means all-powerful. But in his state of humiliation... Jesus is obeying the Father in saying what he is saying, doing what he is saying. And there's no doubt that in a state of humiliation, where he doesn't always make use of his divine attributes, the Father is greater than he is. And you got this verse 29 saying it, uh, plus the other verse where Jesus says, the Father is greater than I. So you have to make a distinction between his humiliation where he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death and his state of exaltation where there is no distinction uh, in the almighty powers of the Father and the Son. By the way, the Athanasian Creed is dealing specifically when it talks that way about no distinction in Jesus' state of exaltation in comparison to his father. So, yes, I got a confirmation answer wrong from the point of view of the pastor, but I still think the pastor was wrong because he wasn't making a distinction between his humiliation and exaltation. He still confirmed me, but I always remember arguing with the pastor in the worship service during the questioning of the confirmants. So, At the top of this section, talking about the works of Jesus, there's always kind of titles, like in chapter 11, the whole chapter is about the death of Lazarus, and and that's what the editors put at the top. But what did they put at the top of this little section, uh, beginning with verse 22? I and the Father are one. Now, Isn't that interesting? And that's the verse 30. It's the last verse where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Now, what he says right before that, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand because I and the Father are one. Recently, I did a sermon, and the question for the sermon was, uh, Does Jesus ever look like the Father? Do you think that Jesus and the Father look alike? And of course, nobody in the congregation thought they did. And Jesus, of course, was incarnate, and God the Father is a spirit. So you would think that would be the right answer. But in the sermon, I pointed out two passages where, as we've just been saying, God uses metaphors to try and describe himself to us in a way that helps us to understand who Jesus is. Like last Sunday, we did my favorite chapter in the Bible, Revelation 5. And what does Jesus look like after his ascension? He comes into heaven, and he looks like a slain lamb. Now, obviously, he didn't rise in the clouds looking like a slain lamb on the Mount of Ascension. But 
That's metaphorically why he redeemed us, because he died for our sins. So, in Daniel 7, God the Father is called the Ancient of Days. He has white hair, like wool, like snow, and there's other descriptions of him. But when you go to Revelation chapter 1, Jesus is described in the same way, with the white hair and the various descriptions of the Ancient of Days. And we know that the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7 is not Jesus. He's the Father, because in Daniel 7, he sends the Son of Man, who is Jesus, to earth to redeem the earth. And so what we have here is a description of the Father and Jesus being the same. And the reason for that is a verse like this, where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. He also says, if you see me, you have seen the Father. Now, what's he talking about here? He's not talking about that they're the same person. No, they're still different persons, but they're of the same substance. They're both divine. But more importantly, I often run into people who kind of love Jesus, but they're not so sure about the Father because they think that the Father is the one who's going to be the judge on Judgment Day. When it's clear that there are passages where Jesus is the judge and Jesus himself says, I'm not going to be alone, but the Father and I will be the judge. So what's the point from a law gospel point of view? Is it law to know that the Father is going to be judging you on Judgment Day? Because oftentimes we get the impression the Father really wants us to be perfect, obey his commandments, and we're in trouble when we do not. But by the words of Jesus, I and the Father are one, and whoever sees me sees the Father, we need to remember that Jesus is talking about a relationship between the two of them where there is no distinction as to how they think about you. So the point of the sermon was, do you want to know how God the Father thinks about you? Then read the revelation from Scripture about how Jesus thinks about you. It's Jesus who says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And because of the oneness between the two of them, what Jesus requests is done so that we believe, teach, and confess that, according to Corinthians, God is already reconciled to the whole world. Now, the problem is not everyone is reconciled to God. Only believers are. And so we don't have to say, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will be forgiven. No, you are now forgiven. Therefore, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And apart from that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then what you are saying is that you want to pay for your own sins. And that, of course, would occur in hell. And that is the words of an unbeliever. So 
What's so important here on Good Shepherd Sunday in regard to this particular text? That the works that Jesus is doing, he's doing in his Father's name. Because there's no distinction. Since the Father has given Jesus the sheep, and they will never perish. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me. That's your good news, that Jesus is your brother, God the Father is your spiritual father, and the Holy Spirit is your comforter, because all three persons of the Trinity have one goal, and that is to bring you into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, so that heaven is your home, as you will have Jesus as your shepherd, even in the heavens where you will be a member of the flock, his sheep. On tomorrow's Long Gospel, we're not really going to be doing a hymn that is strictly Psalm 23, but it's taken from Psalm 23. The king of love my shepherd is. That'll be our analysis tomorrow with Mark Smith on in preparation for Good Shepherd Sunday. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.